Hey everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 168, pre-roll. And once again, I'm going to remind you about our good friends over at the North Spokane Hemp Company. I know St. Patty's Day this year has effectively been canceled. And uh, I don't know, you probably had to drink at home. But you know what helps with overcoming a hangover, getting rid of some of that anxiety, relaxing yourself, helping your muscles uh, and the pain within that, and taking care of your dog who now has to sit at home with you all the time? CBD! Yes, CBD, friends. And you can get a discount of 15% by putting in the discount code LIONS at checkout at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Again, NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh, baby. What's up, everybody? Welcome to ELL 168. All the show notes for Electric Liberty Land 168, which there are very, very few of, are available at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 168. Now, guys, I was going to just pre-record this whole show with my buddies Andy Ruther and Joe Prano, two very funny gentlemen that I am friends with here in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been on Andy Ruther's podcast before, The Dent Report, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But of course, Andy and Joe are most famous for the Dirty Sports Podcast, for which they uh, talk about sports. Of course, not sure what they're talking about right now since all the sports are canceled, but uh, you can head on over there to check that out. Anyway, we sat down, had a great talk, me, Joe, and Andy. Now, Joe's also a uh, touring comedian and uh, has some funny stories about how he hurt his ACL and also about what he's missing out on when he goes to some of his tour dates coming up. So that's going to come in on the latter part of the show because originally my plan was to go out St. Patty's Day, have the traditional get up at six in the morning, take the day off, go to the bar with my friends. We do this every year, six in the morning car bombs, right? Probably about 10, 15 of us. This year, of course, none of that's happening. I also pre-recorded the show because I was going to Florida to show off my baby to my parents. Didn't realize that over the past week that I've been gone, the world would effectively come to a halt, that all economics would cease, that all bars and restaurants and major metro areas would be shut down, that uh, now we're talking about domestic flights being canceled. Thank God I got home in time, I guess, me and my uh, six-week-old baby. So long story short, I'm going to be doing a little preamble here before I get into the pre-recorded stuff. Now, I don't want to not use that. And also, I'm recording this after flying all day and being out of town. So I'm not going to do a ton on this, but we'll see how long I rant for because I have some very specific thoughts on what's unfolded about the actions of our government in the wake of this quote-unquote pandemic that is uh, that is rolling out across the United States and other nations and impacting them far more heavily than us. But I've never seen anything like this. I'll just I'll just start with that. I've never seen anything like this reaction in my life. And it is quite literally everything I ever feared the government could do with the power that it holds. Now, you might have remembered my bar talk that I did about the coronavirus and how authoritarian governments do not have an effective control over this type of thing. We're seeing that play out. We're also seeing that a nationalized health care system like you know, all these people calling for nationalized healthcare in the wake of a pandemic like this doesn't work. Italy has a nationalized healthcare system completely ineffective in the wake of uh, your populace just completely going ill all at once. Now, I want to say this at the top of the show. I don't want to come across as crass. 
I don't want to come across as uncaring. Libertarians obviously have a problem with that. Um, you know, our buddies at Good Morning Liberty, that's their big focus, compassionate libertarianism. And I am a compassionate libertarian. I'm not a left libertarian, but I'm a compassionate libertarian. So when I talk about what's going on, I don't want to make light of deaths. I don't want to seem that I'm being harsh or cruel or uncaring when I talk about the people that have been dying and I weigh the costs of their lives against what is happening. So to make that clear, I care. I feel bad for these people. I feel bad for their families. Okay, good. Get that out of the way. Clean slate. But we see what's happening in Italy, right? Nationalized healthcare. You've got one of the oldest populations in the world. I think they're second oldest to Japan. You have a small country with very tightly knit cities. I mean, if you've been to Italy, you know that the streets are narrow as hell. You know people live on top of one another in a lot of these cities. These are like medieval cities in many ways that have not really been changed much. They are tight and people interact a lot and they have this old population and that if you get a flu bug coming in and people aren't ready for it and one that spreads quickly like this virus does. And again, if you did not hear the conspiracy corner talking about the coronavirus, you should go back and listen to it because it's been saying, you know, I'll give Chris Spangle of We Are Libertarian says it's the best information on the coronavirus I've ever heard. I mean, really, it's the, the breakdown they did was fantastic. So go back and listen to that. But you've got this aging population that's being turned away at, at, at like age 65. The Surgeon General of Italy or whatever he's called, El Surgeon Generalo, turns people away because he says we need to concentrate on serving younger people. Because with the coronavirus, it hospitalizes something like 15% of the people right now, which is very high. Now, granted, a lot of people can get it, not even realize it. I was reading, you know, an NBA player got uh, tested positive. He didn't even know he has it. He has no symptoms. Uh, he's fine. Many other people say, yeah, I was down for a couple of days. I bounced back. No problem. However, it's especially deadly for people that are 65 and older, 70 and older, et cetera. But even with Italy turning away people, right, turning away 65 and, and over, it tops out about 4% mortality rate. Now, what always bugs me about stats like this, because even in the United States, the latest things I've seen is something like 3,000 some cases. Again, 3,000 cases in a country of 300 plus million people is not a lot of cases. And these aren't confirmed cases. These are projected cases. Among those people, the mortality rate, I think here is something like 2%. And again, that is almost exclusively among elderly. But the thing you don't realize or maybe you do realize, is that they're not counting all of the people who got it, didn't get tested, thought it was just a general flu bug, recovered, and didn't report it. So really, all the mortality rates you're reading are higher than they really are in, in real life because people are simply not going all the time to the hospital. They're all the time reporting it. They don't even know they have it half the time. So their mortality rate's actually much lower than what they're actually stating it is or trying to scare us into thinking it is. So to continue to set the stage, that's going on in Italy. Very scary. We see a lockdown in Italy. We see a lockdown in France. We see a lockdown in the UK, literally forcing people to stay inside. If you're elderly, you're not allowed to go outside. If you're in the UK, they close down the bars, the restaurants, right? They close down all the public gyms, all the public forums. You're not allowed to have this and that. You're, you're literally locked down, quarantined in a very authoritarian manner, despite the fact that this thing hasn't spread anywhere outside of Italy in a fashion that would be truly terrifying. Now, not to make light of Italy's situation, but we look at the mortality rate. 
again, it's not something where I would say, okay, it's a 20% mortality rate. Now I, I, I agree. We should lock everything down. We should completely destroy our economy, which is what's happening on a global scale now. Because the example set in Italy, the example set in the UK is now being rolled out in the United States. New York City has now put a ban on any restaurants, any bars being open. They cannot have patrons in. They cannot serve people. They, uh, there's not only that, like barbershops. I know this is impacting people directly because my sister works at a bar, manages a bar in New York, popular bar. She's losing her mind. They cannot have people come in. The only thing they can do, they make burgers. They can farm out. They can say, well, they can't farm out. They can deliver burgers to people should they order them, right? Which means that they'd have to have a cook on staff. They'd have to have somebody to deliver it on staff. And then you don't even know how many orders you're going to get. Because you have to advertise, market, make sure they know you're open. You have to make sure you have somebody to drive there. Is it going to balance out as far as the money per hour with gas and traffic in New York and getting there? Who knows? Is it even worth staying open? So they have an entire staff now. They might just have to lay off. Tough tots. Those people are now screwed. My brother-in-law just opened a barbershop in New York City. Uh, actually, in uh, in Queens. No, I'm not in Queens. In Brooklyn. Barbershop was killing it, right? He is a very loyal clientele. He brought over some good people with him. They're doing gangbusters, you know? They got in 40, 45 people a day. They're making good money. Well, not anymore. Now, literally, overnight, everything's shut down. He's forced to close for two, three weeks. He's just starting a business. He's an entrepreneurial guy. Now, he doesn't know what to do. He's going to have to go to his landlord and just be like, look, I can't pay you. We just put all our money into renovating the shop, to putting it in, to putting down the payments, to get the space, to, you know, to make it look nice, to market it. I can't pay you. We don't have income. So he has to rely on the kindness. And I like that the government's emphasizing everybody be, be nice to each other. Oh, yes, kindness. He has to tell his, his landlord, look, I don't have your money. And hope that that conversation goes well. Now, I know they passed this bill, which, which naturally has, I'm sure has all sorts of poison in it. that They forced in because they know that people have to vote for it because Americans are hurting and they're scared and they have to pass something, right? And one of the funny things, go off on a quick tangent, that you'll see in this bill is that they made, like, supposedly, right, all businesses had to give their employees paid sick leave during this time. 14 days paid sick leave during this coronavirus outbreak. Except companies with 500 more employees. The companies that can most afford to take that hit, that can most afford to pay that money out, they're the ones that get exempted because cronyism still rules the day. Even in a pandemic, friends, crony capitalism still rules the day. In the meantime, small businesses are getting fucked over. And that's really what I want to come around to with why I just overwhelmingly opposed. I'm shocked at what's happening because they just did the same thing in LA, LA County, right? LA County is massive. It is a massive population center. Millions upon millions upon millions of people here. Not everybody's rich here, folks. Promise you, I, I, I guarantee you at least 70% of the people that are going to be affected by these bans that they're putting on restaurants have to be closed, right? Bars have to be closed. Shopping malls have to be closed. Clothing stores are closed. Like I get emails every five seconds now telling me who's closing and why they're closing and how we have to do this together and we have to stand unanimously to stop this spreading virus, which to remind everybody has 3,000 cases in the U.S. Now this number might be outdated by the time this episode airs on Wednesday. I'm recording it Monday night. 
But at this point, 3,000 cases, like it's like 0.001% of the population has this virus. This virus, which only affects and only is really deadly to a small portion of the population, which is the oldest portion of the population. And also the people that are most enabled to be able to stay in and self-quarantine themselves for a few weeks, to have food delivered in, to have groceries delivered in, to have somebody go and get it for them, to make sure they don't go out because they don't need to go out. They're not going out all the time. They're not working. They're fucking retired, right? So they should be able to self-quarantine rather than being forced, having everybody else be forced to stop doing business. Naturally, you're seeing the stock market crash. It went into a total tailspin. The circuit breakers, quote unquote, circuit breakers got through because of the massive sell-off going on. Now, yes, I know. It's been propped up. We all know it's been propped up by bad loans. The Fed lowered the rates to 0.025%. Now, 0% interest rates, effectively. It won't help. It's not going to do anything. It's idiotic to think that this would boost it up when people are in a straight panic, when no one can do business. Lowering the interest rate's not going to fucking help anybody. So to get back on point here, though, we're talking about some 3,000 plus cases in the United States, right? A, I would say, effectively a realistic mortality rate of probably two and a half percent. And like I said, among people that are the, are the older population. Now, granted, it does hospitalize 15% of the people. So make sure we have some hospital beds. Great. Make sure they're handy. Great. We can uh, we can definitely figure out some stations, set up some tents, set up some triage. Now, if it wasn't a cronious system, if it wasn't a regulatory system, I would argue that you could open this up and a free market system could really capitalize on this. And, and by capitalize, I mean help out. Because if you have a need, if you have a country full of sick people and you're able to just say, hey, we'll fly some doctors in, set them up right now. They could practice right away. No problem. You don't have to get licensed by the American Medical Association. Just come on in and do it. And by the way, we're seeing some of that shows you how bullshit these fucking regulations the government puts on everybody are where they can just drop them at the drop of a hat. Like they're allowing nurses, I think in Massachusetts or something to just, hey, if you're a nurse, walk right in. You can get your license in a day to help out instead of waiting, you know, whatever months instead of paying all this money. Oh, so you could do that all along. You just were being dicks about it. Good to know. How about the coronavirus test that got pushed through the FDA in like 10 days? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it turns out it was all pretty much pre-approved technology. You know, we just decided we were going to go ahead and let that go through quickly. Oh, you couldn't just fucking do that all the time? Anyway, so you got these cases, right? You got a mortality rate. We have, you know, whatever, 3,000 confirmed cases in the United States and, you know, a, a couple hundred deaths from that. And what they're doing now is they're imposing these bans. They're closing down commerce. They're telling people you cannot go to work or work from home. They're closing down schools. They're, they're shutting out people in the service industries. They're closing down small businessmen primarily. And as I mentioned, the big businesses are exempt by giving people the sick leave. So only a small businessman has to foot that bill. If you know anything about the restaurant industry, about the bar industry, about a lot of small businesses, you know that the margins are ultra thin. And shutting down for three weeks can kill you. A lot of the restaurants that are being forced to shut down in New York and LA and I'm sure countless other cities across America because this is a big copycat fucking fear-induced bullshit for all these politicians that want to say, oh, well, I'm going to get ahead of it. I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to make sure my, uh, my constituents are safe. What you're making sure is your constituents are going to be fucked. Sometimes for generations. And I know people are going to die, right? Let's say we let this play out. 
let's say we just, it's a public health, they say, look, quarantine yourself. If you're old, quarantine yourself. If you are, feel sick, quarantine yourself. If you are afraid of getting sick, go ahead and voluntarily, keyword, voluntarily quarantine yourself. If you're a restaurant or bar owner and you don't feel comfortable right now serving food or you feel it's a danger, go ahead and voluntarily shut down if you can afford to do so. But people can still choose to go out, choose to associate, choose to go to work, choose to do whatever they want. We can keep the economy going. We can keep commerce going. We can keep voluntary interactions going between people. In the meantime, while these people opt out, and we can see that public awareness campaigns, everybody's got, I brought Clorox wipes to the airport. I'm wiping everything down. I've got hand sanitizer. I'm spritzing everywhere. I'm using my elbow for all this shit. Everybody's doing this shit. Everybody's on top of it. Everybody knows the dangers, right? Even though the, the government's done the worst job I've ever seen in managing this crisis. People were shitting on Trump, and not to be a big Trump defender here, but people were saying that Trump had to be more forceful. He should have told people, oh, this is a much bigger deal than it was. Why? So they can panic more? So they can fucking take all the goddamn diapers and toilet paper and water and paper towels out of my fucking store? I was out of town for five days. I get back, I try to stock up because, you know, you don't buy groceries before you're going to go out of town. They're just going to sit in your closet and go bad. I get back, I can't buy any pasta. I can't buy half the shit that I need. I actually bought extra baby diapers, not hoarding style, mind you, but like 50 extra baby diapers for fear that I'd get home and there wouldn't be any on my local shelves because people are inducing this fear fucking panic by the government and by the media. And instead of calming people down saying, look, like, they, like just literally today or yesterday, Garcetti, this piece of shit mayor in Los Angeles, finally sent out, or Newsom, the piece of shit governor of California, finally sent out a note that said, hey, by the way, you don't need to hoard. We have plenty of supplies. Stop hoarding. Yeah, it's not that, you know, it's not that big a deal. But at the same time, they're telling people to stop hoarding, which they shouldn't be hoarding in the first place. And Trump, you know, I think Trump and the federal government should have said, you don't need to hoard. Supply trains are coming in. We are a well-supplied nation. Don't worry. That's the advantage of capitalism, by the way. Not like Venezuela, where you can't get fucking toilet paper. We are a well-supplied nation. We'll have supplies. You don't need to fucking hoard. But nobody's going out and saying that until like yesterday. Instead, they're telling you how bad things are, how horrible things are. And every media outlet, oh, it's only going to get worse from here. We're waiting for the big spike. Fuck you. There might not be any big spike. But in the meantime, based upon an infection rate of 0.001% of the population, right? We are now shutting all these things down. We're shutting the economy down. We're tanking people's lives. We're costing people their livelihoods. We're costing people their businesses. We're costing them their investments. We're costing them their retirement funds. I mean, this is fucking madness. It's indefensible. And I'll tell you why. Because for all the deaths that people say, well, you have to prevent the deaths. Number one, the deaths are coming from people that are elderly. A lot of them were going to die anyway. Again, not to sound too harsh, but I have a logical mind. I think through this logically. A lot of these people may have died from the flu in general. They may have died from any number of other causes because they are extremely elderly. The other people are high-risk individuals, people that have autoimmune deficiencies that might have died from other things anyway. So to say directly, well, the coronavirus is the only thing that could have killed him is nonsense. But on top of that, right, we weigh out how many people would have died overall, especially knowing that we're, we, knowing what we know, we have the public education thing, we're reining it in, we're, we're distancing socially, right? 
We're taking precautions. We're going to cut that infection rate in half. Then we're going to cut the mortality rate in half or even in a quarter because by the time it gets farther along, we'll have better testing, we'll have better grip of what it is. So we don't need to upend the economy. Worst case scenario, right? Maybe you have a 1% mortality rate. And again, that's among the elderly people of the world that might have died of something else. But instead of allowing it to play out, instead of saying, okay, we're rational human beings, we shouldn't destroy our economy, we shouldn't destroy our lives over this for fear, government and media-induced panic. Instead, we're going to shut everything down. Now, what is the fallout from that? This is what I don't think people understand. And, I, and I've told this to a couple of friends. One friend, I swear to God, I was texting with him. And of course, he's my left-leaning, ultra-progressive friend who I hardly ever can agree with on anything. But I told him, I said, look, man, the deaths that occur as a fallout from this, suicides from people that are, A, already prone to social disorders that are anxiety or depressed, those people being quarantined, being cut off from everything and fearing for their lives are now probably far more likely to commit suicide, right? Far more likely. Two, people that are alcoholics, people that are drug abusers, people that have uh, certain sinful predilections, now they're quarantined for three weeks. They are probably going to be far more likely to die of an overdose or die of a suicide, especially because they don't have money coming in. That brings us to category three. How about the small business owners? How about entrepreneurs? How about just anybody that's working paycheck to paycheck? How about the day laborer? How about the waitress? How about the bartender? People, especially on the left, that love authoritarianism, they love to throw around the stat that the average American can't afford $400 in unforeseen expenses. Okay, well, doesn't that mean that telling them that they have to cut off all of their income for three weeks because of a pandemic, quote-unquote pandemic, that has infected a minuscule portion of the population? I mean, for fuck's sake, there's more trans people in California than there are people that are infected in the entire United States. It is a minuscule portion of the population that is infected. They have to give up their livelihoods. They might have a business, a restaurant, a whatever it might be that is literally hinging on a week's worth of business. You've now destroyed them. And not only that, You've destroyed them. You might destroy multi-generational income. You might destroy their ability to function. I mean, Jesus, I mean, we're literally talking about business owners killing themselves here. I'm not saying this is something that I've witnessed at firsthand. I'm saying this is something that could easily happen and play out as people see their lifelong dream ripped away from them because of virus. As they see their savings thrown away. They like a God. Can you imagine if you just fucking opened a bar or restaurant right now? Like I said, my brother-in-law just opened a barber shop like a month ago. And now guess what? You got to go out. You got to go take a hiatus, man. And by the way, you have to pay your employees for 14 days sick leave if they get hurt, if they get uh, sick. I know, oh, but don't worry. The government has a, a package they put together for you. You know, if you're a small business, we have like millions in loans we're going to give you. Of course, it's all taxpayer money. And, and I don't see a moratorium on taxes being collected. Do you guys? No, no, no. The government's going to take care of us by getting deeper into debt and then making sure that they tax us by way of inflation and just general taxation. So they're really taking care of us by fucking us right in the ass. Here, we're going to take away your income and livelihood. 
but we're still going to make you pay taxes and we're still going to inflate your monetary uh, supply because we need to get the money from somewhere and we're already trillions in debt. But here, if you're a small business, you can get a loan to cover you at a very low rate. Wonderful. What if I'm already, uh, what if I'm already hyperextended on my loans? Now I got to go deeper in debt because you forced me to close? And how long is it going to take? The government's not exactly known for its efficiency, is it? How long until I get the money? How long until, I, until I'm able to repay the money when this sluggish economy starts churning along again after this fucking horse shit happens? I mean, are you honestly going to tell me the amount of lives impacted, if not straight up deaths, but the amount of wealth loss, the amount of lives ruined, the amount of livelihoods destroyed, the multi-generational wealth destroyed, the potential ruined for these fucking people? Is that worth saving the lives of several thousand primarily elderly people? That sounds mean to say, but when you look at it, when you look at it from the way this ripple effect has happened globally, this is going to affect by the time it's done. Not every person on the planet will be impacted. I mean, there's small countries in Africa that aren't going to be hit by it, but anyone in that's tied into a major part of the global economy, anybody that relies on a, a, one of the primary monetary systems is without a doubt going to be impacted. The global wealth lost is already in the trillions. The amount of people's lives that have already been changed only a couple days into the government cracking down in this draconian manner on businesses and being able to voluntarily interact with people has to be in the billions. I mean, billions of people. Billions of people are not going to catch the coronavirus. But that's who's getting fucked over by the response to it. Now, look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And I'll admit it. If I'm, if this just blows up, <laughs> if there's no stopping it. Oh, you hear that cough coronavirus. If there's no stopping it, if this thing is, is bigger than I realize and I'm wrong and the government's steps were correct, I'll admit it. I'll tell you that I was wrong. But from where I'm sitting, and like I said, my sister and her husband, the people in New York I was telling you about whose businesses are fucked now, they are both ultra progressive. They were both in the Brooklyn bubble. Now they're in the Queens bubble. My brother-in-law, who I've had many fights with about politics, about libertarianism, about the way to do things. The night before we left, when he found out his, his uh, barbershop's going to be shut down, he comes over to me, he goes, hey, yo, Brian. He goes, I know, man, I know we argue about this shit all the time. He's from, you know, he's got a fucking Long Island accent, by the way. He goes, oh, he goes, oh Brian, I know we, talk, we, we argue about this shit all the time, man. I know. I know I'm always busting your balls, but it's libertarianship, but this is nuts. This is, no government should be able to do this. The government's going to destroy my business. Yep, they are. They are. They're going to destroy your fucking business. They're going to destroy your life. They're going to destroy your credit. Because they got to protect some old people. I know that's being very hyperbolic, but let's be real. Get past all of the, oh my goodness, I care so much about the people and we're all a community and we all have to come together. The people saying all that shit are people that have jobs that are not impacted by this, by the way. 
all the assholes on Twitter, all the journalists on Twitter, all these other fucking luminaries on Twitter that are tweeting, oh my God, we have to come together. We have to stop this. Oh, well, bravo to the government for taking these measures to protect us. They have more money than they'll ever need. They have incomes that aren't relying on doing anything that's going to be impacted by this. So they can, like every, all these people, they can tell us what to do from their white towers. They can tell us what to do from their protected gated households. They can tell us what to do from their apartment buildings with doormen and tell us how morally superior they are and how wrong you are if you are an American that would reject these measures. If you're a business owner that dares to stay open. And that's what I was telling my brother-in-law too. And my sister, I said, this is a time where people should get together and stand up and say, fuck you. We're not complying with this. It's going to destroy our businesses. We're not complying. Like if you're going to lose your business, why would you comply with this? I know I sure as fuck wouldn't. Yes, good morning, Liberty is the podcast that I want to tell you about right here, guys. So Nate and Charlie, you might have heard John and I, we were on there a couple weeks ago, and uh, I highly recommend you do check us out on there, talking about our Liberty slang and ways. But Nate and Charlie over at Good Morning Liberty are two gentlemen that have taken on the onus of trying to change people's minds about how people view libertarians. They're trying to lead with a compassion-first message, looking at the ways in which policies impact people and trying to find a libertarian way to compassionately provide solutions. So, you know, I might come across as a little caustic. You know, maybe I'm a little, a little too aggressive, a little too laughable. However, I made that same point myself that we do need to come from a place of here's a solution. We do care about you. We both have the same goal in mind here, which is helping the most people. And they've tried to do that. Uh, interestingly enough, they actually both have a healthcare background. They own a healthcare IT company. And uh, so get into some weeds as far as dedicated discussions about the healthcare industry. Either way, go check it out. They are every day of the week. So if you're jonesing for a Liberty Fix between our episodes, you went to make sure to go into your podcasting app or catching app, check out Good Morning Liberty. They're available all over the place or visit lol.gmlpodcast.com and uh, you can go from there. All right, check out Good Morning Liberty. Uh, anyway, long story short, guys, the ramifications from all this are so far reaching. They, they impact so many billions of people that it's just, it, it's crazy. I myself am impacted. I, uh, it was a tough ending to the last year and, uh, it's been a promising beginning. At least it was to this year. A lot of clients I'm talking to a lot of new business opportunities. However, all the trade shows that I would go to have been canceled. Now we got a global economy in a spiral. Now we've got people quarantined at home. I don't know who's doing business. I don't know if my clients are making money. I don't know if we're going to get paid. Can be a curse or a blessing. You know, sometimes when things go bad, especially with PR, what the smart companies do is actually lean in if they're able, rather than falling back. You try to lean into the crisis. You lean in when everybody else is unsure and running for the hills and they just want to, it's want to stay put. They don't want to try to market too hard. That's where you can actually get ahead and get an advantage because you're the only person doing the work then. But, uh, you know, people don't react logically all the time. People are fear-induced very often. So we'll see. 
I'm uh, I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight literally for the first time in my life. I think I was very poor when I first moved to Los Angeles. I was literally so poor for a little while. I was uh, eating strawberries that the woman I was seeing at the time gave me and peanut butter out of a jar. And uh, that was the poorest I've ever been. But uh, right now I'm not that poor, but I'll tell you, I've got a lot more things on my plate. I've got a baby. I've got a house. I've got, uh, I've got bills to pay. And uh, it's probably the most stressed out I've ever been. So it's, I'd say it's a, I'm literally fighting to keep my company alive right now because we just don't know what's, what's going on. Nobody does. Nobody does. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to buy a bunch of goddamn toilet paper to solve the problem. <laughs> but hey, if you want to make me feel better, if you are one of these people that's in an industry not affected by what's going on, and I know a lot of you out there are in different industries that aren't, affected there are not service industries like i you know mine maybe you're maybe you're a farmer maybe you're a, a gun salesman whatever you may be doing out there in liberty land if you want to make us feel better here at the lions of liberty you can go and support us on patreon patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty get on in there folks Maybe I can stop doing uh, the rat race, stop worrying, stop waking up in sweats in the middle of the goddamn night and just have to do podcasting all the time. You guys would get so many more podcasts if I actually made money off this. So many well-informed podcasts, too. I wouldn't be gleaning information at a, at a, a rapid pace and then spitting it out. I'd actually be able to put all of my time and effort into it. Just think, your minds would be so blown your minds would go out the back of your heads, up your asses, crawl through your digestive tracts, up your, your uh, esophaguses, and then pound through your nasal cavity to get back into your brain. And they'd be like, the trip I had, man. You don't even fucking know that. McWilliams, man, he just, whoo, revitalized our entire body. All right, let's get into the uh, the pre-recorded stuff. And happy St. Patty's Day for those of you who did celebrate. All right, as mentioned, I'm here with uh, two gentlemen I've grown quite fond of over the years, two comedians, and also uh, two gentlemen responsible for the Dirty Sports Podcast, Mr. Joe Prano and Mr. Andy Ruther. Gentlemen, welcome to, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land. Thanks for having us. Well, it's my pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Good to see you again, Brian. Or listen to you, I should say. Yeah, listen to you exactly. We decided uh, it, with these gentlemen. I, I'm not looking at them directly. I find that's the best way to handle the two of you. Anyway, it's like looking into the sun. It's just too much glory shining in one's eyes. But um, you know, just starting off. So I, I know Andy, you're not traveling as much, but Joe, despite the fact that you, what did you, you tore your ACL? Right? Is that what you did? I broke my tibial plateau, which is my the the bottom of your knee joint. That sounds fun. And uh, of course, it, it's skiing or snowboarding or something like that, and a man got in your way and you were unable to avoid him due to your own incompetence. Was that pretty much how it went down? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's half true. Uh, somebody <laughs> fell right in front of me. It was, it was, there was no avoiding it. It happened with no reaction time. So some guy fell and just basically took me out of the legs. Brutal. And then, and then you became a Trump supporter, if I recall. I think, yeah, correct. I am now, I am now, uh, very pro putting a wall at least around ski resorts to keep Mexicans <laughs> out. <laughs> well, 
was, yeah. I don't know, you don't want to reveal the guy's name, but yeah, I, I was watching a, a funny, funny clip of you Mark on stage. Martinez. Mark Martinez of Oakland, California, <laughs> a damn dirty Mexican <laughs> snowboarding ape. <laughs> there you go build that wall um yeah funny funny stuff but unfortunately for you you know and obviously i feel bad for you for uh for having that man so it's gonna be a long recovery time but but yeah jumping into it guys i know we're gonna try to keep it a little shorter here because joe you gotta get to a meeting but we could do a solid solid 40 of uh, of chat here um we were just talking about like andy and i were shooting the show a little bit before you came on about traveling right now and obviously coronavirus madness has overtaken everybody and i want to talk a little bit about that but joe are you having any impact from the coronavirus in like traveling for you or any of your shows coming up are people are the comedy clubs freaking out yet and canceling shit and having everybody go virtual no comedy clubs seem to be the only people surprise surprise that don't care about their (laughs) employees traveling to work so (laughs) i uh leave actually on a flight for Birmingham, Alabama tomorrow morning to go do a weekend at the Stardome in Hoover, Alabama. And yeah, I am like, I'm sort of freaking out about it. I mean, I know, I think a lot of people are maybe overblowing this, but at the same time, it's like avoid flights and certainly cruises and all that if you can. Uh, And I would love to avoid it before going to Alabama, but uh, no such luck. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just like, I... I just look at this whole thing and I'm reading like all the different things being canceled and people freaking out about just like, I mean, the madness. Well, let me ask you this, Andy, uh, how much hand sanitizer, toilet paper and paper towels do you have in your house right now? I, you know, it's funny you ask. I have one roll of toilet paper, <laughs> you know, on, on the actual, the roller and I have a spare one. I, I just looked and zero hand sanitizer. I am not, uh, I'm not too concerned. I, I, again, I'm not a doctor. Clearly I haven't read probably enough on everything, but I'm, I'm one of those people who looks at the facts and the facts are right. They're out there that way more people have died from just the normal flu, which obviously they have vaccines for, and this is a new sort of virus. But I, I just, I think we live, to me, this is a microcosm of freak out culture, social media culture, overreacting, cancel culture. They're kind of all lumped together, right? So I believe, what, 30 people have died in the country? 30 out of, what, 300 plus million? I I just, I I don't know. Like, maybe, am I naive? Who knows? But that's kind of my stance on all this. And I, I think it's laughable, the freaking out that everybody's doing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there, and like just going to my local Costco. Like, actually, if you watch the news, because uh, we're all in LA here, if you watch the news, I think ABC had it on, and whatever else, people were sending camera crews to my local Costco down here in Hawthorne because that's where the most amount of assholes were lined up to buy all this shit. And I went in there after like I tried like two days in a row to go in, and it was just like line of a hundred people deep buying water bottles, buying uh, toilet paper, buying paper towels. I could not believe it. And to your point, it's like it hasn't set in yet. People aren't dying like crazy. And then, like, the Surgeon General came out, and he's like, well, you know, the people that are at most at risk is, like, 80-year-olds. Those are, That's who's dead. And, you know, the people that are you know, maybe at risk, 60-year-olds. So here's the next question. How big do you think this is going to have an impact? Because, like, for, I'll give you an example, right? Two things I just read about. And, by the way, this is going to air about a week from today because I'm, I'm pre-recording this so that I don't have to record one on St. Patty's Day, which would just be a wreck. But um, 
it, it, like right now, Harvard suspended classes, right? They're, they're like, they told people, don't come back from spring break. We're doing classes online. And then also I'm here in the NBA, MLB, they're all talking about playing games with nobody in the crowd. So guys, you know, you do a sports podcast. What do you think about this latest round of horseshit? And, and is this going to impact the NCAA tournament? Are they going to have games with nobody in the stands at these games? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, it, like Andy said, it seems like to be a bit of an overreaction. It's like you're if you're going to be out in the street, you're going to be walking by people as close as you would be if you were at an NBA game <laughs> to a player. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I understand them saying, OK, we don't want to do we don't want to have press have access to the locker room anymore. OK, we're all you know, it's when we're all covered in sweat and it's close quarters and whatever. But like this canceling, like they canceled the tennis tournament out at Indian Wells, the canceling of these mass events. It's like, I don't go to uh, tennis matches and lick the hands of the people <laughs> next to me. Like, I don't even talk to the people next to me. So if this isn't an airborne virus uh, and we're talking about, oh, wash your hands and use hand sanitizer and whatever, like, I don't understand how any of this stuff is stopping the spread. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you go to everywhere else and it's like Nick Cage and face off. You're just directly dragging your hands on people's faces all the time. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, I get, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I get limiting your exposure to, you know, like you said, air travel, fine. Don't go on the cruise ship, fine. But yeah, like going to a restaurant, going to a, you know, going in public, who cares? Wash your hands. I mean, you can even wear a shawl over your face, adopt the burqa. Maybe that's a, the solution and here. And it seems like a lot of people are reacting to this thing without any information. Like, what is with the toilet paper? Is uh, it, yeah. Is it, <laughs> does it make shit? Like, why, why is everybody in a mad rush for toilet paper? Also, water in Los Angeles, I mean, I know there's a lot of places where water isn't drinkable. I wouldn't highly recommend drinking the water here every day. But, like, <laughs> if you need to drink the water out of your sink in Los Angeles, you can, and you can certainly use it to clean your asshole. <laughs> yeah, like, I if, if I can hop in here. Yeah, man. I, I was going to say, that, that's confusing to me. Again, to kind of piggyback what Joe's saying, I, I don't understand it. This isn't a illness that has infiltrated the water system. If you have a Brita, like most people do in 2020, like myself, why are you going and I'm a frequent Costco shopper as well as I do a weekly segment. Andy goes to Costco, which by the way, everybody should watch on YouTube. <laughs> anyway, great plug Lots. right there. Yeah. But when you, when you go to Costco and it's completely out of water, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's mind boggling because you're like, wait a second, did the coronavirus enter the water stream of major cities? Because, like, like, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't know. What's the rationale that they're going to get quarantined and they will need bottles of water? But again, the, is that it? That's, that is what I had read because I, I, we all had the same thought. I, it made no sense to me. It's like, and even if, I mean, it's not like you can't just pop out to the store and buy some toilet paper no matter what. Even if you're quarantined, you can probably still order it on Amazon, drop it down the chimney, have Santa Claus, like whatever. You're not going to be out of toilet paper. If they quarantine you, they're going to be like, well, we have to give these people something to wipe their asses with, clearly. And yeah, the water pipes aren't burping. It's, it's not like an ancient plot where they poison the water well, and somehow everybody's got to find another source of water. It's all just insanity. And I can't figure out the, the impetus of that, that 
impotent. Like we must panic buy shit. It's like it's like what people used to do on the East Coast when there was a blizzard. They'd be like, "Well, I bought it," because, but then your pipes would freeze, so it made some sort of sense. This makes yeah. no sense. Also, let's be honest. If I'm quarantined for 14 days, I'm going to get a little loose with the wiping of my ass. I'm, oh my I mean, god! Yeah, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to see people. I'm not seeing people. No one's coming over. Like. Oh, it's wallowing in a, in a, a mess of just your own filth and crepulence. A, a lot of there'd be a lot of uh, porn watching. I guarantee if we start seeing mass quarantines, I'm going to buy. If there's a public stock in like Pornhub, I can buy. I'm investing heavily because you know that's going to skyrocket. Now, Brian, you, this well, is well, sort I, of this is sort of a political podcast. So I got to ask you what uh, what portion of this do you think is uh politically driven uh, they say every two years there's some virus that pops up right around yeah. election time what uh what's your thoughts on that i i definitely think that the media hyping it up and like the you know the world health organization and cdc getting it all i do think there's something to that and especially if it's you know it, I think a lot of times it corresponds with something going like a war going wrong or, yeah, an election cycle where it gives you something to fight against and say, ah, this is why we need urgent action. I mean, maybe the deficits have gotten so high that people were starting to pay attention to that. And they're like, well, we better get a virus in here to really knock these people on their asses. Um, maybe China, you know, they're saying it stems from China originally, you know, the Wuhan virus from the seed market. Maybe the Chinese were like, people are really waking up to all these uh Chinese Muslims were throwing in these re-education camps. Let's uh, let's get a virus out there, or however you'd say that in Chinese. Let's get a virus out there. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I I, 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 I don't think that's Mandarin, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been Cantonese. <laughs> but I, I mean, I do think there's truth to uh, parlaying any sort of distraction into, hey, we need more government. Let's ramp this up. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts about that? Do you do you believe in the conspiracies that uh, that I mean, if not that the government's created these, at least that they use everything to kind of promote more government, more surveillance, more oversight, and you know, more authoritarian control. So panic view, like the people say, okay, we're panicking. Who's going to take care of us? We can't trust each other not to get each other sick. I think it's a hundred percent coming from. Go ahead, then. I was going to say people who don't want Trump reelected. I mean, Trump's not that neither Joe nor I are Trumpers because we're not, but Trump's whole basically claim to fame, right? At this point for his presidency is how successful the economy has been. Yeah. So now this is, this is basically terrorizing for lack of a better term, the economy. So now we sit here as the election gets closer. That's my thing. I mean, I've out of curiosity, I go, every single day to all the major news outlets, CNN literally every single day now for, since I started checking about two, two and a half weeks ago, the lead story is always the coronavirus. To me, that's, yeah. a, that's a, obviously a blatant, a blatant spin is my point. Yeah. And people are sheep, as you know, Brian, and people fall for this and they see it. And, and that's kind of my take. It, it is a hundred percent a political spin, whether you want to call it conspiracy or not, whatever to kind of dismantle the Trump presidency for re-election. Yeah. Well, did you see that one of these, you know, some of these people in the uh, that are trying to run against people in districts where they're trying to take down like a GOP incumbent or somebody that was associated with Trump. I saw one lady, God knows what, what district it was, but she had a truck that go, she wanted to have going around. She was crowdfunding it for people that was like, this coronavirus outbreak is all Trump's fault. And you got to go, what, 
what logic leap do you have to make where you're blaming a virus that originated in China to an outbreak, which has still been pretty much contained in the United States and somehow blame it on Trump? Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, like, it's ridiculous to try to link any of this stuff together. But like Andy said, it's, you know, it's the panic. Anytime anybody sees anything that they can say, Hey, look, and, and obviously, like Andy said, the economy Trump's been, Oh, look at how the economy's doing. And, and to, you know, obviously the stock market isn't entirely the economy and the yeah. economy isn't entirely the stock market, but it is fun. I, I do have a little bit of like a, you know, Keith Ledger's Joker in me where I just want to watch it all burn. <laughs> oh, yeah. So man. like, so like <laughs> stock, I, as you can imagine, as a broke 40 year old comedian, I don't have heavy investments in the stock market. So I love watching this shit come down and everybody just being like, what's up now, Trump? Fuck everybody. I'm just imagining, though, if they, you know, things really do fall apart and the apocalypse comes, uh, comedians are going to be pretty quickly turned to for the cannibalism. Um, so, you know, you better work on work on healing quick so you can get those running legs under you. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I know. I, I, I also have that strong urge in me uh, where you do want to see the world burn. But at the same time, you know, I look at what's going on with Trump and like on the wider impact of this, like I, the Fed's getting involved, like before the, again, the, the impact of the coronavirus on our economy seemed to be extremely limited in that, you know, we're getting runs on products. People are still going to work. Nobody's been quarantined and sent home. Like the, the cancellation of these events is more of a proactive thing. I and mean, I'd say more of a, a, you know, kind of a panic thing. But as far as the actual economy goes, nothing is that impacted. But then you have the Fed lowering interest rates. And now you have Trump talk, yeah. talking about a stimulus to get in the economy. So it's like, great, we're going to go deeper in debt to throw money at a thing that we don't even know if it's a problem yet. Yeah, so far, yeah, like what, it, it's canceled. It's canceled Coachella, like, or yeah. it's about to. It's like, a, a, as far as the economy goes, I mean, Molly dealers are definitely probably about to struggle <laughs> a little bit. But like, I don't think it's back on, you know, the global marketplace. <laughs> That's one of the, you'll see everybody will be quarantined, but the people you will see driving along the streets will still be the drug dealers. They'll be making the house calls going in full hazmat suits. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like coronavirus overall, I just, it seems like, I don't know, it, it, a global pandemic is what they're calling it already. Like how much blame do you think? the organizations like the World Health Organization, the CDC, how much blame do you think they should take for every, like, again, SARS, uh, what was the other one? The bird flu. Every few years, they roll out one of these things. Are these organizations valuable to us or are they more or less jokes that are only serving to rev up the populace and, and cause, uh, you know, global panic and economic collapses in places? Well, you got to remember, most people are stupid, so they need to yeah. they need to have a three letter something that they can turn to for answers, whether those answers are right or wrong, to give themselves some sense of calm. So, if we didn't have them, you know, the people, the 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 idiots out there, the people that are hoarding toilet paper, <laughs> uh, would be freaking out. And so, I mean, I think. I, I obviously I don't think that they're doing a great job, but you know I feel like we need them just to have a guy in a suit going like, "Here's the deal." <laughs> so that people like don't turn to cannibalism immediately. Yeah, 
Well, or do. I mean, if we're getting ahead of the turf, you might as well start eating people now to get used to the flavor. And be like people that eat sushi for the first time, you're not going to like it right away. You're drinking coffee. So I've been I've been slowly eating a human just for the last past week to get my palate kind of prepared. That's smart. Got to yeah. say, that's just me, smart. I want to ask you guys this, actually, because I, I was thinking this myself, and, and you bring up those organizations, Brian. I mean, I, have you guys ever seen in our lifetime? I was thinking about this last night. I've never seen where just stuff's getting canceled. Like Joe talked yeah. about the Indian Wells tennis tournament. They're, they're moving Coachella six months. It might end South by Southwest. I, I, I've never, again, we live in this just fear mongering heightened society, which all started when Trump got elected, right? Four years ago. And it's just continuing to accelerate. But can you guys recall? I, I can't recall anything. Think about this. Harvard, Harvard's te- Harvard, is yeah. telling students not to come back. Aren't they supposed to be the education, like basically the the epitome of like the best school in America? I, I just it, it kind of blows my mind because personally, it doesn't affect me. And actually, in a way, I love it because guess what? The gym I go to, uh, the, the one <laughs> I don't know if you still go to that one, Brian. That LA, yeah. no one's in, no one's in the pool anymore. Went again last night. No one's going to the gym. No one's going out. I'm going to a, a Ducks hockey game tomorrow. I'm sure no one will be there. Fine, everybody, stay in. Yeah. Like, I love it in a way. <laughs> I'm actually going to go but there tomorrow morning ever, <laughs> to work out at that same yeah, gym. Have you, have you guys ever seen this? Though? I can't recall any time in my life a, a worldwide mass cancellation. Uh, neither have I. I, I it's, it is unprecedented. And that's where, too, I worry about kind of like, you know, that's why I brought these organizations and kind of like getting into like this world you know, kind of world government and the impact of, of decisions being made outside of, you know, your locality. And it seems like this mass hysteria has taken over. And then people look to these, like you said, the three-letter organizations for guidance. And if their guidance is saying shut down everything, that is just fucking retarded. You know, it's like, yeah, based upon still, you know, like the death rate for uh, the virus is higher. I guess the average flu death rate is 1%. The death rate on this is something like 3.4%. So it's definitely higher because I guess you can get pneumonia more severely or, or it impacts you more severely than the flu, but only if you're fucking old or only if you're recovering from cancer or have an immune deficiency problem. So yes, I've never seen cancel culture like this I mean, Christ, we had a bowl out there, which makes your eyeballs melt out of your head. It's the worst thing ever. And they're like, ah, go ahead. Go on that cruise. Have fun. Have some bisque. Yeah, it's just a better safe than sorry approach because everybody is, I mean, we live in such a litigious society now that everybody it lives in fear of one kid going to class, getting sick, dying, and yeah. then owning Harvard because they didn't cancel. But And the other thing these days is, like, you know, the obviously the canceling of big events is one thing, but like, if you ran a company, what, like, what company at this point do you need anybody to show up to work? That's for? a good point. Like, no, everybody's point. doing everything from home. Just stay home. Like, let's not deal with it. Let's not be on the hook for the problem. So, like, I understand it in that sense, but like, my question is, I'm I'm interested to see how long this lasts and. Yeah. and you know, because people can't just cancel school and cancel events and cancel whatever forever. I mean, you talk about we talked about that tennis tournament being canceled, Coachella being canceled. Those are both those are within like 15 miles of each other. I mean, the the uh, tourism in, you know, the 
Indio, California area is just, they just lost their year. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that too for, uh, God, there was another area I was thinking about that exact thing. Like you're just destroyed. Uh, this kind of thing impacts you. And granted, people were tweeting about that. All the, all the Wokies were tweeting about uh, the poor people in uh, South by Southwest and Austin that, you know, they love having their tips and the workers to show how, how sympathetic they were online and get the likes. But no, you make a very good point. Actually, one thing I thought about while you're talking about that is, wouldn't it be amazing if this, if the outcome of this virus, the great outcome for our, our society was in fact that it eliminated having to go to an office? You know, you just never go again. You're homeschooled from now on. You never have to go to the goddamn school, eliminate all the, the money going to those buildings, eliminate the teacher's budget, just have it all online. It'd be fantastic. And then on top of that, you also don't need tennis tournaments. You got Wii, you got uh, eSports, you could use your Wii yeah. controller. Why go anywhere? If, if I could do stand-up comedy uh, from my apartment for the people of Birmingham, Alabama this weekend, I would take that in a heartbeat. Just have them go into the club. They get handed like, you know, have you ever been on a shitty airplane in first class where they, they don't have like the real systems in place? So they hand you like an iPad and like, here are new movies downloaded on an iPad. I think I got that with like SunWest Airlines. <laughs> one time. Yeah. Yeah. Or some virtual some virtual reality goggles. There you go. Yeah. They just log it'll be like paper for you log in and it's just you sitting on your couch and you're like, hey, Joe Brennan. Um, so let's let's transverse into a new uh, topic here because uh, I've got like 20 minutes left to chat. Um, where are you guys, you know, the I, the last time I had you on, I think it was before Trump was even in office, right? I, I'm pretty sure, maybe right after. And I recall as I brought it before that the three of us were actually at your your launch party for your comedy album the night of the election. And we were cackling as Trump got elected, not because we were huge Trump supporters, but just in the hilarity of, of what was going on and the astounding faces that the media had on. So where have you come in the last few years? You know, have you, are you still kind of in the, uh, the libertarian or anarch, you know, anarchy sense of like these, both, both these sides are still ridiculous. Have you gone one side or the other because you've been pushed one way or the other? And as a third part of that, what do you make of what's going on with the Democrats? So start anywhere you want, either of you, and we'll just ramble. All right. I'll, I think I can get my thoughts on this pretty, uh, pretty succinctly. So obviously, uh, we were all laughing about the Trump thing. I said then, and I still to this day would say, um, if you put a gun to my head and you made me vote for Trump or Hillary, I would still vote for Trump. Yeah, I think I, th <laughs> I think Hillary is one of the worst people to ever live. I think, uh, <laughs> I, and also the one of the reasons that I thought Trump would be good for America is precisely what he has been, which is a complete and utter joke. He's an embarrassment, um, and. He's, you know, every single thing he does or said, I mean, now there's, does, is he pissing his pants daily? Like, this is like, it's amazing how bad <laughs> it's gotten, but like, we need to bottom out. We need to bottom out and reset the system. Like your Philadelphia 76ers, we need yeah, believe to in the, trust believe the process. <laughs> we go. need to get as bad as we can get so that we can come back out of it. It's always darkest before the dawn. And I think Trump, it has been that. And you would have thought that it would have made for, um, you know, some interesting candidates to oppose him. Of course, now the Democrats have hoisted up Biden because the Democrats are the Democratic National 
party is literally the dumbest group of people of all time. <laughs> um, I am not a, you know, obviously we're here cause we're all, we, we all lean libertarian, but my thing is first and foremost, the, the number one issue for me. And I think I said this the last time I was on the show politically above all else is let's stop fighting everybody everywhere. All the stuff that people complain about, how is Bernie going to pay for it? We can pay for everything and everybody can get Andrew Yang's $1,000 (laughs) if we just stop spending trillions upon trillions of dollars every year fighting wars that we have absolutely no business starting and fighting. So whichever candidate, Republican, Democrat, you know, Whig party, whatever it goes, we got to stop doing that. I will back first and foremost. And it honestly seems like of all the candidates that Bernie, the, of all the candidates that have an actual somewhat legitimate shot of winning, he's the closest to that. So obviously I did not vote in a Democratic primary because I'm not a registered Democrat. But if Bernie were to win the nomination, I would vote for him. Interesting take. I don't necessarily agree with Bernie uh, in any way, but uh, interesting. Well, the, again, the war stuff, but Tulsi was my gal. What about you, Andy? Well, I... I agree with some of Joe's sentiments and I, I I want Bernie to win the nomination as well. Um, For me, maybe from a different angle, Trump's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's, I I don't know what he is. Same thing for Bernie, right? What I would like to see, if you have two people who aren't the quote unquote traditional two parties, I think that might create the at least lead to maybe some sort of new parties. And that, that's kind of been my biggest gripe of our political system. We, you know, we've been around for a few hundred years as a nation. We still have an antiquated two-party system mm-hmm. for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, there are libertarian candidates and there are different types of candidates that you can vote for that are going to be on the ballot. But as far as mainstream, that's, you know, that to me moves the needle farther in the direction um, of creating a more diverse group of parties. I don't know if I'd vote for Bernie, but I, I definitely agree with Joe's sentiments on the war stuff. I mean, you know, if you, if you literally just stop spending on the stupid wars and also let's put in quotes, war on drugs, that war as yeah. well, Yep. you, you, it, it's not brain surgery. You have trillions of dollars that you could put towards, the actual citizens of this country and our own infrastructure. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, and I also agree with Joe. I, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling, the Biden thing. It's like, that's, he's male Hillary. Yeah. Like, like to just go back to this guy, it, it just, it just, they're just going to keep shooting themselves in the foot. And I, I don't know. I like, I, I don't know who has a better chance against Trump, but I just think going with somebody like Biden, if that ends up being the case, it just doesn't bode well for that party. Well, Biden definitely is just, what's shocking is that, and by the time this airs, there's like mini Tuesday, which is the day we're recording this, but Biden might have, he might've really gotten even a larger lead on Bernie because Bernie didn't have as strong a showing as we expected, you know, the last super Tuesday and Biden just, I don't know where his support's coming from. I think just people kind of are, are, too terrified of the socialism aspect that Bernie is bringing to the table. And that's where me, you know, from my standpoint too, I'm, I still won't vote for Trump or Bernie. I'll, I'll, I'll go third party, which we'll see who that ends up being for the libertarians. But my fear is that 
as much as I would say, okay, I understand the aspect of Bernie getting in there because obviously I'm hugely anti-war as well. I worry two things. Number one, I worry that Bernie will make a deal to keep the war state going in exchange for universal health care somehow, and that'll be the deal with the devil, that, which will just double down on the most expensive things now because health care will jump to the top of the list and war will be right there with it. Uh, I don't know if he has it in him to really fight back on that when it comes down to brass tacks. Um, and anti-war, you know, he's paid some lip service to it during the debates, but he hasn't put it out there front and center. Like I said, you have Tulsi Gabbard led with that. And people didn't seem to really give a shit because it doesn't resonate because none of us are being affected by it, right? You know, at here, we're, we're not getting touched by, by the wars overseas yeah. other than financially. Um, and right. then I also and, just, oh, God, Jeff. And, and you know, I, I agree with you. Uh, that's what Tulsi was leading with. And I think it was the strongest play. And there's obviously Tulsi, you know, first of all, she came out of nowhere. She, she really was never going to have a great chance, but then she's, kneecapped by both sides of the media saying, yeah. oh, she's a, you know, she's a Russian asset. <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's like, because you can't say we should stop killing brown people over oil without people saying you're working with Russia. Like, yep. It's so dumb. But I agree with you on Bernie that, you know, he leads with healthcare. He leads with the environment. Um, you know, the anti-war stuff, even though he has been, sort of anti-war as an actual politician his whole career yeah, his voting record is yeah, yeah is is something that I, I agree he he should be putting out more toward the forefront and if he were smart i think he would do he would do it i think a politician that wanted to accomplish what he would want to that were the things that he wants to accomplish would do it in that exact same way that i uh, have always approached this is say I'm anti-war first because not only should we stop killing people over nothing, but it saves us all the money in the world to do all the things I want to do from healthcare yeah. to the environment. To well, whatever. and Tulsi had actually said that uh, at, at one event, you know, she had said we can put that money towards healthcare and environment and everything else. Now, I still think it won't come close to paying for it. So I just I'm just completely opposed to universal healthcare as a concept. One thing that I would I might consider on a very small level would be like catastrophic healthcare for people that can't get insured, some sort of Medicaid for just a tiny segment of the population. But overall, I just think any going down that path is a nightmare. And then also you look at the, you know, the countries that have these national healthcare systems and their coronavirus is just like, if the coronavirus hits them, they are completely fucked. Like they're totally fucked. And we look at just how that would play out, how we have like, I mean, and also you look at kind of the way rationing works and like the panic of people buying all this other stuff. If there's no rationing for healthcare based upon actual need and actual urgency, it's just going to get overrun. It's going to be, I just, I can't support a candidate who has, who's pushing for universal healthcare. I just can't do it. Um, I mean, my, my thing as far as universal healthcare goes, and it's, it's something that we see in the current healthcare industry all the time is the argument about what is necessary and what isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. Like, e even if you have insurance now, you're, you know, you're fighting for, no, I need to transition or right, I need yeah. a boob job or I need this. And, and I, I, to me, the idea that we are in the year 2020, that we're a, a you know, very civilized nation, we're the number one, you know, like, economy in the world behind whatever you know like we're, we're we're top whatever and all the things that we can't say if you get cancer we got you 
if you break your leg, we got you. If you're in a car accident, we got you. Like, there's really not that many things, uh, you know, that you can put on a list of shit to say, this isn't universal healthcare, but like you said, it's catastrophe healthcare. If you have cancer, if you're in an accident, if you come down with this, like, we're going to take care of you. Oh, you know, you're, you're some person that goes to the doctor for every sniffle and every scratch. No, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but like, but you know, we should be taking care of sick people. If you, you know, if you have cancer, if you have Alzheimer's, if you have fucking Lou Gehrig's disease, if you've got like you, sh- that should be paid for in my opinion. And I, uh, and honestly, I, I know that goes against sort of uh, like the government being less involved in things, which we're obviously, obviously all for, but we're talking about taking care of citizens who are dying. Well, I'd say that's the thing. For me, you'll get the way the actual outcomes play out, though, in that in situation. Now, granted, I'm, I, the only thing I can compare this to is like the NHS over in the UK. And I make this argument a lot is that the United States right now, though, has like the highest cancer survival rate of any country, like any country. And there's a reason for that, because you, you get sick, you can get this treatment. Now, it's much more expensive. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The government, one of them, because of the cronyism in the system, the insurance systems, the way that works out. But if you get sick... You might financially be like, shit, but you're alive, right? And in the NHS in the UK, they actually have pretty low cancer survival rates because you go through the system, you're waiting a long time, you cannot get the treatment you need right away because it is still rationed out. And, you know, there's there's ups and downs for all these things. And I also think, though, you get you have the free market operate, you get the government completely out of it, you get the insurers out of the way, and you have direct doctor relationships, like kind of we envisioned in a, a libertarian standpoint. If you take those steps... I feel like also you're lowering the cost of healthcare. You're enabling people to go direct, and, and also charities would have a better opportunity to get in there because you don't have insurance in the way. So the cost is lower. Charities can apply what they have, target their mission better to then provide if you get sick that help that you could need. So and again, there's a there's a lot of moving pieces to healthcare, and it's always you know I, I, we all want people that are sick to get care. It's just figuring out the best way to do it. But I will say that for me, it still comes down to you know, I, I just, any government solution still seems like a bad solution to me. And the VA is a good example of that. I mean, atrocious what goes on. And that is taking care of people, of a specific segment of people and people that have barely dire needs and they drop the ball across the board. Right. For, no, well, for absolutely. For sure. I, I want to hop in with a personal anecdote real quick. I, yeah. I, you know, Joe's talking about serious illness and cancer and, and those sort of things are horrific accident. My, my, my problem is nobody, nobody talks about just the basic stuff. Just, I don't understand the finances because that's not my area of expertise, obviously, but nobody talks about why take, for example, me in December, when I need to re up my dose, my 0.25 milligrams of Xanax that I take to fly, which could not be a smaller dose. Mm -hmm. The fact that my doctor says you need to schedule an appointment for me to see you before I can re-up your prescription. Nobody talks about that stuff. How then, uh, the, just the bureaucracy, right, Brian, yeah. of me having to go in there, pay the $50 copay, just for me to look my doctor and I go, yeah, dude, I'm flying next week back home for Christmas. Yep. No, nobody talks about all that bullshit. Oh, yeah, and, exactly. And to, me, that's the, and to me, that's the problem. And, and what, what I did, and I just got another flyer for a different 
system in the mail. What I'm, what I'm doing now is I have like basically a crummy, what you call in case of emergency for, for basically a pun, if anything happened to me, health insurance, I'm paying now for one of those premium healthcare monthly memberships. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It's, it's not considered healthcare. I don't know if you know about this, where I can go see a doctor. I pay $150 a month, unlimited visits to a doctor, mm-hmm. no copay. It's all done on an app. It's with this company called Forward. I'll give them a free plug because mm-hmm. it's worked out great for me. But, but my point is, to me, this is where the healthcare business is moving. And it's kind of where the free market has opened up, which I like to see, is they're saying, hey, there's a void for certain things where people just want to have a physical or they just want to do things. Or if something comes up like an illness, they don't have to mess with a copay or they can see somebody instantly. So it's a month. It's like a gym. You pay a monthly membership and that includes a lot of things minus, like I said, a terrible thing like cancer or a car wreck. And I think that's where the industry is headed because it's basically kind of in a way giving an F, you know, giving a big F you to, not only like Bernie's idea, but also the conservatives idea. It's it's finding a way to maybe solve some sort of solution, which I think has been void for this country for a long time now. No, I, well, I love that idea. I got you. Yeah, it's it's a lot like when you you look at the the states in here in the United States where marijuana or cannabis has become legal. It's you know cutting out the middleman that 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 has all this bureaucracy it's like i know a lot of people who still buy pot essentially from the black market because they're like oh i've got to go to the store then there's yeah. this tax involved yeah it's, it's, this, it's much more expensive to go to the store <laughs> it's more expensive or they break it you know now you can only get your edibles in 10 milligrams uh, is the maximum you can get in one thing now you can get a you can get a pack of 10 10 milligram things and you can you know you can't you can't touch it and smell it anymore. You can't whatever because there's all this stuff in the way and it raises the price. And you're like, you know what? Why can't I just go to a doctor mm-hmm. and say, hey, doctor, I'd like you to check me out. I'm feeling sick. What is this worth to you? And then and then pay that doctor that thing. And then the problem is, you know, obviously you've got these urgent cares and all these things set up on that model. But then they don't have the insurance backing behind them that these major hospitals and, and healthcare things do. So if something does go wrong, you're fucked. And if something, you know, if they if they misdiagnose you, they're like, sorry, you basically paid us to, mm-hmm. you know, give us seventy five dollars to look at you. We looked at you. So it's just there's so much bureaucracy that's just making it so much harder than doctors themselves aren't getting paid what they used to. It's just mm-hmm. like let these guys who have spent so much money to get medical degrees make some money in in a regular old cash cash ish at least transaction. Yeah. Well, and also, man, it's like you know they also have the doctors getting burned out because you talk about bureaucracy. You know, the United States had mandated everybody get on this this digital system, which I think is just so the government can spy on our medical records personally. <laughs> but they got them on this digital system, and it causes everybody to slow down everything. And like doctors are getting stressed out because it's so much more like entering and double checking and cross checking rather than just going in looking at a chart that you go flip up a page and then you're like, I right, write a new thing and give you your shit. Now it's like extra layers upon layers of you know, regulations and reporting and documenting and all this other shit. So to your point, it's gotten so much more complicated unnecessarily. And 
you know, it's government bureaucracy getting in the way. Yeah. Well, guys, I know you got to go. Last thoughts uh, and also, you know, give all the plugs, all the plugs and all the thoughts. And remember, if you're going to plug your shows, this is going to air on uh, the 18th. Well, uh, I will be this coming weekend. If you're listening to this, I will be at Fantasy Springs Resort and Casino in Indio, California. I was supposed to be going to watch a bunch of tennis at Indian Wells (laughs) Tennis Center. And if you are down there watching tennis or hoping to watch tennis, there's no more tennis. So come see comedy at the Improv at Fantasy Springs Resort and Casino. I will be there Friday and Saturday, March 20th and the 21st, working with the great Alan Havey of Mad Men and Billions fame. And you can obviously listen to more of Andy and I on the Dirty Sports Podcast if you like sports and uh, conversations about sports with this kind of tone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andy, oh, anything and to add? Fuck Philadelphia. No. Fuck you, you piece of no, shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I agree with Joe saying, yeah, if you guys like sports and, and, and you like, we do some very in-depth discussions, sports, non-sports, you name it. We drop episodes every Monday and Thursday where all podcasts are available. We also broadcast every show on YouTube. So just follow, subscribe to us, Dirty Sports. Bingo, bango. All right, gentlemen, awesome having you on. Let's do it again soon in a longer format. Maybe we'll, after this coronavirus scare is over, we can get together in uh, the dirt den or whatever you call that uh, that beautiful one bedroom <laughs> that you hold in Venice. <laughs> Brian, it is the the formal term, the official term is the smut studio. Ah, the smut studio. Excellent. Well, I'll bring my finest, oldest, and most stuck together porn when I come to the smut studio. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Well, peace out. Uh, stay safe out there and make sure your ass is well taken care of with seven bound, uh, bound rolls of toilet paper. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us, buddy. All right, bud. Peace. Thanks, Brian. All right, later. So there you go. Two gentlemen, two scholars, Andy Ruther and Joe Perino. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Uh, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, wash your goddamn hands, use hand sanitizer, all that good stuff. But whatever you do, just like they say in the Hitchhiker's Guide, the best selling book in the universe. You know why it's the best selling book in the universe? Because on its cover, it has two very prominently printed words and giant bold lettering that say, don't panic. And that's it. Remember, guys, you can listen to Mark Claire with his Lions of Liberty flagship show every Monday and go back, listen to the Liberty Draft. We finished up the Liberty Draft, which if you don't know what the Liberty Draft is, very fun show. I know we have a lot of listeners here. We go through every four years to coincide with presidential elections because it takes us about a year to do the Liberty Draft, which is funny because sometimes candidates you draft drop out or change or uh, or, or turn into uh, Bill Weld's. Not literally, nobody's drafting Bill Weld. But we draft people from the Liberty Movement that are then slotted into different positions, president, vice president, social uh, media chair, YouTube star, whatever it might be. We have about 10 positions for all the prominent libertarians. And I will say, if you're not on this list, you ain't no prominent libertarian. Saying it right now. This is the definitive draft list. We have like five teams of 10 people. You got to listen to it. It's hilarious. So 
go back, listen to the Monday show at the Liberty Draft Show. And uh, I'm, of course, here every Wednesday. We got John Odeodermatt on Fridays with Felony Friday with his look into the criminal justice system. Make sure to check that out. Incredibly important and insightful show. Uh, otherwise, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Brian McWilliams. This is Electric Liberty Land. And I want to remind you to always stay plugged in to Liberty.